The Ohlone are the first people of the Bay Area. They covered the coastline in San Francisco and lived as far inland as Salinas Valley. After genocide and subjugation by the Spanish, the Ohlone were all but completely eradicated and enveloped within the New World. Their languages and culture criminalized and swallowed up. It would be several generations before the Ohlone would be able to regenerate and reclaim fractions of their land, elements of their culture. Making Contact Community Storytelling Fellow Vincent Medina is part of the current generation of Ohlone that are deeply invested in language and cultural revitalization, whether fighting for sacred shell mounds in Berkeley or teaching Chochenyo language courses at Mission San Jose. Vincent finds firm footing in his deep running roots. Our language almost vanished from the earth. In 1921, in the midst of this tragedy, an elderly woman living in the deep brown canyons of Sinol, named Angela de los Colos, proclaimed with defiance, Kana akwe tak yuwa tak As for me, I am not going to stop speaking. She, along with the also aging Jose Guzman, worked frantically to record, speak, and protect Chochenyo, the language spoken in the East Bay since time immemorial, which was on the brink of death, the precipice of never being used again. What a world that must have been. I can only imagine, but my heart begins to ache at the thought. These people, my elders, my heroes, they made a conscious decision to keep speaking, Chochenyo, and to fight against time as though in the defiance of gravity. They knew they were the only ones who could protect our language, and they lunged, ducked, and leapt over the hurdles of reality in order to keep the flicker of light from moving into ashes and darkness. Angela and Jose, they weren't going out without a fight. Yellow parchment papers became full of frantic scribbles, an outpour of heartbreak, family histories, gossip, lore, loss and victories, and stories that stretch back to the very beginning of time, described with such an intimacy and an immediacy that they seem to have happened yesterday. Tales of a time when giants roamed the East Bay, when Coyote left his footprints embedded in the earth, when hills and spirits had emotions and proper names, when bodies of stone were defeated in the underworlds, and when songs were sung just about Mount Diablo and Mission Peak. Don't forget this, I picture them telling us. Don't give up on this. All right, now let's read these words together, okay? Just so we can get the pronunciation. So for day, truhi. Truhi. Now try again. Truhi. Truhi. Try it with your tongue a little bit further back in your throat. Truhi. Truhi. Hee, horse. Rakat. Rakat. Say it a little bit longer. Rakat. Rakat. My name is Gabriel Medina and I'm 13 years old. 
I've been learning around two years. It's like a secret language. I was in fourth grade and we were doing the mission project and we were learning about um, um, Native American Indians and I told my teacher that, that I was Native American and she said that I wasn't because I didn't look Native American and she knows what a Native American looks like. It's her, it's her opinion, I know that I am though. I realized just the sounds of the language were something incredible on its own. Being able to connect those old sounds to places here in the East Bay, you could hear the land in the language itself. You know, wherever you're at here in this place, you can often just see like those, those drops and rises and falls that make the Bay Area what it is, and that's so embedded within our language. It helped me connect in a way to my ancestors that, that just the words strictly on their own might not. There's context that's there. It tells people who are related. It tells the conditions that people had to go through. It tells the experiences that people had and how people consistently survived and adapted to the changes around them and kept intact what they could in order to keep their culture strong and alive. And when I would read that and connect that with the words, connect that with living in my land and the fact that Gabriel and myself, you know, two brothers, we, we both were born in our traditional village we're meant to be in our homeland, we're meant to be speaking this language. Our elders, they're, they're our guiding forces in many ways. They, they are linked to the old world that our ancestors lived in. When you, when you go to the language, because I know that you've been to one of the language classes that we had here, when you, when you, when you use some of the Chochenyo words, how does, how does it make you feel? When you use them. Oh, I, I feel that I'm not saying them properly. <laughs> Surpri- you know what? Surprisingly, and I, I talked about this um, with one of the professors that I have at, um, at UC Berkeley that I work with. And out of everybody, when, when we were having that, that class that first time, you got the pronunciation the closest to the way that I hear the old people say it in the, in the recordings. Oh, really? And it was because I think that you probably heard stuff growing up so somewhere back there in your mind, it's still there. But when you would get the sounds, there's a sounds that I can't get when I, when I pronounce things. That you well, Aunt Dottie, in many ways, she's like the matriarch of our family. It must be because you heard it growing up. Probably so. Yeah. You know, some words stick and some words don't. <laughs> and some words you can't get them out. <laughs> yeah. You know, as hard as you try. She's a tough lady. She's a strong lady. And she's always... She's always been somebody who's carried culture forward for us. She's always, in, throughout her life, found ways to protect our identity. And she's always found ways to make sure that those who are around are proud to be Ohlone. In the 1960s, Aunt Artie was was the one who led our cemetery being saved near Mission San Jose. Well, the only the only person that I ever heard speak the language would be Uncle Dadio, mm-hmm. and there were some other uh, family members that came from Livermore that also spoke the language. But uh, to say that I ever remembered what they said, you know, I couldn't repeat it because I don't know the language. She listened to the old timers who lived on the old Sonol Rancheria, and listen to them speak the language, listen to them tell the old stories that stretch back to the very beginning. Proud of, the, of yourself that has uh, taken it, up, you've taken this upon yourself to be able to teach the younger people the language, which is something that we never had, you know, only bits and pieces now and then, but 
nothing that ever stuck to us because we were too busy with other thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand. You know, Kathy, she she's a really unique person because she's able to to know a whole lot about the old ways, and Kathy also has a lot of insight about my great grandmother, Mary Archuleta, who for a brief time while she was in college, she lived with her in the 1970s. When I spoke with Kathy, Kathy was telling me that she could remember hearing our language spoken all the way into the 1950s. She could remember her mother, Maggie Peanuts, and my great-grandmother standing around and she could hear the language. I just remember thinking to myself how much pride and how much and how excited I felt to know that my great-grandmother somebody who held me in her arms that she might have been a speaker of our language in her younger years. There we go. Okay, so um, so basically I just wanted to ask you a few questions just about about Nana and especially what she was like um, with in your in your younger years when you were visiting when you lived with her. I, one thing I always wondered about, especially with, with Nana, because I know that she spent time um, in the orphanage at the mission, and I know that her mom, Victoria Marine, passed away um, when she was very young over in Sinol. And, and the stories that I hear from my grandma about this was that things got really hard when she entered the orphanage, where she was separated from her sister, Flora. And um, there was obviously some, some really rough things that happened. But... I wondered, especially because when I was a kid, Nana was always so proud to be Indian. She was always so proud about who she was, and she would always tell us, you know, um, that, that we're Ohlone. And I wonder how, just how, how she was able to carry on all of that pride in her culture, even with the things that she had to go through that were painful. And She was a lot like my grandmother, Aralinda. <clears throat> the both of them were in uh, Maggie Juarez and Pete Juarez's house. They were living with them, okay? Evidently, they must have, my uh, great-great-aunt, I guess she would be my great-great-aunt, uh, Maggie Peanuts. I get what they called her Peanuts, but it was Maggie Juarez. She's the one that took them, I believe, out of the orphanage. And I guess because your Nana was chosen and not the rest of them, that that may have caused, you know, the, the conflict or the bad feelings, you know. But they used to get called to, um, for the, the meat, the buffalo meat, okay. And when, every year when they would get called, she would make the calls to everybody, and we were one of the families. We'd all get together and we'd go to a lonely uh, park, and we would all celebrate. We'd all be dancing. Mike loved to dance. Your Nana made all of his regala, all of his clothing, okay? My sister Margaret is your Nana's godmother. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. so that's how close we were, you know? And your Nana would make things and give it to my sister because that was her, her godchild. That's funny. Yeah. Did, um, with Nana, so... You, you could remember that there was times so that that the that Aralinda and um, and Maggie Peanuts they would speak the language. Right? Yeah, can you kind of keep them guys quiet? There were birds that were very loud in the background. 
And I remember when I would go to see my great-grandmother as a child, there would be birds that would always um, be everywhere in her house. And the same birds were, were in Kathy's as well. Oh, glorious fighters, stubborn ancestors, people of defiance, people of wisdom, gravity breakers. Today, as a result of your refusal to surrender our language, we can speak the words yet again. Because of those scribbles on parchment paper, our land hears Chochenyo a second time. It's been inside of us all along. The words, they caress us like a loving grandmother's embrace. They comfort us like an old familiar song and they bring us dignity by connecting us to our ancestors. They connect us to the East Bay, Makruaitka, our home, Makperetka, our land, the place that we love, the place that those before us fought so hard to stay in, the place that we originate from. My elders, my heroes, you saved our language from ever being forgotten, and we will not relinquish Chochenyo, for it thrives in the footsteps of giants. making contact.